This is the Microsoft Libraries and Museums podcast, a show dedicated to exploring digital transformation with organizations from around the world. I'm Emily Kotecki. In season two, we're doing a deep dive into different aspects of digital transformation. Today, we're going to dive in to ticketing and fundraising with Aaron Lively Koppel, the Chief Strategy Officer at Tessitura Network. Tessitura Network is a customer relationship management system for the arts and culture sector. Erin, thank you for being here. Oh, I'm so delighted. Thank you for inviting me. Erin, a customer relations management system or CRM tracks and manages engagement with visitors. And so I kind of want to map our own conversation to that visitor journey, which usually begins with getting a ticket. So When you think about getting a ticket, how has the ticketing experience changed in the last year? Well, how hasn't it changed? (laughs) (laughs) I think that that when you really think about the elements of ticketing and how you get a ticket, you are thinking about it from a customer perspective first, which is you start thinking about your website right? You are thinking about the, what you put into the world representing what that experience on site will be like, you know, the experience of getting a ticket, it's almost, um, it's changed in fundamental ways also, because in the last year, you know, the primary elements of ticketing, which I would say are revenue and capacity, number of people who can be in a space at any given time, and then what I would, I would add a third, which is access control, who is in the space for how long and, you know, um, when really. Those three elements have all changed pretty significantly in the past year. For some institutions, they didn't previously really limit capacity at all. You know, capacity was essentially unlimited. Well, it was limited by the number of people who are interested in your offer. And so then you have things like price, which leads to revenue. And you were trying to maximize revenue through this unlimited capacity. Ticketing has changed in the sense that in most regions, we're not at um, unlimited capacity anymore. And so when you're thinking about the prioritization of that, now that you're really prioritizing what's our capacity and then adding in the element of access control, it's changed significantly for the customer as well because they can't come whenever they want to do whatever they want. They're now having to make more choices on the front of their ticketing experience than, than maybe they ever had to before. Were those changes, I mean, I kind of framed it in the last year, but were those changes directly as a result of COVID or were there other forces at work before COVID and the pandemic expedited some of these ideas around ticketing? I think that there existed a desire to think about customer engagement as a journey, as you said, but it was sort of a, maybe we should think about doing this. (laughs) And what really accelerated due to the pandemic was capacity limits. Now that you can't do that exactly in the same ways, you know, you're exploring digital programming, for instance, um, access control really became, you know, sort of erased to the forefront for museums, like, I don't know that many organizations had that on their their list before the past 18 months. So you've mentioned the idea of access, and I want to kind of flip the definition a little bit, because access can also mean the people who are able to 
get that ticket. And oftentimes cultural events are very expensive and it has limited certain people in underserved communities from getting those tickets. So when you have limited capacity, have you seen the cultural sector, the museum and library sector having to adjust their prices to make up for that? And then this is like a multi-question question. And as a result, how has that affected access to people who had trouble, you know, getting tickets? And even if it's not only financial, but even if it's getting a free ticket on a smartphone, if they don't have that, how does that play into the idea of access in terms of reach? Yeah, gosh, what a, this is such an important question to the sector right now. And I think that the sector is really grappling with all of these issues. Certainly um, in my experience, things like school field trips would have helped to provide access into communities that didn't, and, and it was access, let's, let's just be clear, to bring people to the museum. And that, poof, it was gone, right? Kids weren't even necessarily in school. So that, that whole way of making sure that we um, were centering equity in providing our mission across the community that we serve that went away. Yeah. And so a lot of organizations are really striving to produce, and a number did produce, programming digitally with free access in many cases, right? You needed to sign up because you needed a link. But yeah, the idea of limited capacity and how does price impact that and where does the revenue come from? Um, I know we're going to talk about fundraising later, but certainly fundraising is one of the ways that organizations are thinking through how do we continue to provide now digital access in many cases in ways that we didn't before because we didn't have to. We could just bring people to our space. So I, I think this is one of the most important questions that um, the sector faces right now is how to be inclusive and accessible and be equitable across meeting customers and sorry, not customers, but visitors really, and audiences in a way that allows for no one to be left behind. So let's go in that direction of fundraising. And we wanna keep mapping our conversation to the visitor experience, right? So a visitor goes to buy a ticket. They are not necessarily in the mental headspace to be like, I'm going to get a ticket and I'm going to donate. How have you seen that merging between the ticket buying experience and the fundraising request experience? Yeah, it's been really interesting to see what's happening. Ticket buying is about the logistics primarily, right? When am I going to go? Where am I going to park? <laughs> How long is my visit if it's a timed visit? Like it's all about the logistical mindset of that. In terms of the digital fundraising aspect, that space is, is now available in a way to capture those impulse donations um, that didn't previously exist before. I mean, it would be, it'd be totally weird if you were in a lecture and the lecturer finished and then you pass the hat for a donation. And now we're able to compress that time frame with digital programming to maybe provide free access and those who are so inclined can also click to give and, and you've captured even a little bit more of that emotion in their desire to support what the organization is doing. Does that kind of change the paradigm of what a donor, what and who a donor is and what their like quote 
expecting out of that donation? Very much, very much. You know, ticketing um, very frequently is connected to membership, at least in the States, right? Where you would have a membership which would give you free access <laughs> to the museum. But the membership was largely thought of, um, there were two types, either transactional or philanthropic, but Either way, that concept is pretty blurry right now. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, the idea of a donor, um, they were pretty narrowly defined as folks who gave outside of a ticketing or membership structure. Now, the donor experience um, and the way that that customer journey and the way that that customer engagement is mapping, there are lots more little offshoots, right? It's not quite so sequential. It's not quite so linear. It's a little bit, I'll use the word blurry, and I think that's fine because that's right where we are. Um, so long as you know where they are in the moment and have a progression for what the next thing you think they might be interested in is, I, I think we're all defining a new reality even as we speak. And maybe to that idea, your chief strategy officer, what is one strategy that you wish that the culture sector was doing right now relating to ticketing and fundraising that they are not? I wish that folks would really think through in 18 months or whatever, in X timeframe, actually not even, not even putting a timeframe on it. Where do we want to be? How do we want to be viewed primarily locally first, then regionally, and then in the virtual audience? I wish people would spend time thinking about how people flow through those various, various audience categories of like, oh, they can visit, right? They might visit. They're, they're international, they'll never visit, but it's really important for us to be able to serve that audience and have those discussions so that then they can position themselves to exit this scenario with all those things, all those um, strategies lined up, ready to go. And then they're just, they're just basically using this as a catalyst or a launch point for what they become in the next three to five years. I think right now it's really hard because people are still focused on the, on the blurry parts, <laughs> you know, but if, if you're dealing with 90% blurry and you're having 10% conversations around <laughs> how do we come out of this, gradually that'll shift and you'll end up with a, a really well-formed, great uh, informed customer engagement strategy for the next, for the next few years. That's what I would be doing, honestly. So related to that, where and how do the backend systems also support that customer engagement strategy, that mapping the visitor experience? Because I think we've all worked in places where you have a ticketing system, you have a fundraising system, you have a membership system that may or may not talk to each other. So as we merge these ideas, how does the back end support the front end? Yeah. Look, when you do overlap an overlapping Venn diagram of those systems, you are essentially dealing with the same customer set. You are dealing with the same audience who's transacting with you in different ways, right? That customer doesn't really, and I keep using the word customer. I know it's an audience. I know it's a visitor, but when, when you get into the transaction realm, they're your customer. You're offering them a thing for whatever they gave you. So when you are in that space, they're one being, human being, right? And they actually expect you 
to treat them as one human being. They expect you to know their whole history with you. You know, I think before the pandemic, there was a real perception that any effort of data collection or access control would negatively impact the visitor experience because nobody, you know, they should just be able to come and experience and, and we should be grateful for their presence. With the pandemic, that's done, in my opinion, a 180. I, I think it is baseline expectation that you will know enough about them. Their level of expectation, again, you think about some of the gazillion dollar companies with my account, right? You know, these are kind of standard feature. They don't want to know just about their membership or just about their donation or just about their visit. They actually want to know about all of it. And one thing I just add to that is that in this moment, we are in essence future proofing our audiences because we are able to collect that information and have that information to be able to build on in the future, right? If folks are prioritizing a visit to your space in this environment, <laughs> that is a huge indication of future engagement and future opportunity. And again, that's almost another silver lining. I wanna to begin to wrap up and think about how does ticketing and fundraising support the goal of digital transformation? Why are those pieces so important? Yeah, well, essentially they are the, the virtual front doors for your organization. And organizations are up against multi-gajillion dollar companies who this is what they do. <laughs> but the expectations are the same, right? The expectations of a very straightforward, seamless visitor experience that begins online those expectations are the same. So it's, it, it might've been a nice to have, but you knew that in the past, you, you really just had to get people to your front door and then give them some basic information and then they would kind of go. We see now that, that folks are planning to the moment where they're going to be because they only have a two hour window. And so they need much more information about how to go through that logistical process. You know, ticketing and fundraising pay for digital transformation. <laughs> they, they are the revenue engine, which provides the uh, platform of funding for everything else that you want to do. It pays for your digital programming, your digital reach. It pays for um, how you want to think about centering equity in your mission as you, as you strive and struggle through the blurry here, the blurry parts. Technology enabling your customer engagement strategy is right at the middle of that is ticketing and fundraising. And uh, I'm happy we're having this conversation today. Great. And I, I want to, Erin, is there anything else relating to ticketing and fundraising? And I know on one hand, there is so much to talk about, but is there anything we, we haven't discussed that you would really like to bring up and talk about before we close? I think if I wanted to just leave folks with one thing, mm -hmm. it would be that I really encourage them to ask the question why before they ask the question how. Um, just going back to that separate systems idea, you're already in the how questions. How do we do time ticketing? How do we reach out to our donors? How do we, and, and from my perspective, it's actually a much more important thing to prioritize the why why would we deal with our customers in this way? And how, and then how can we make this more seamless for them? I think it's really important to live in the why before you operationalize the how. 
Aaron Lively Koppel, Chief Strategy Officer at Tessatura Network. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. At the end of every episode, we hear from Catherine Devine, Global Business Strategy Leader for Libraries and Museums at Microsoft. Catherine, thank you for joining us. What did you hear in Aaron's conversation today about ticketing and fundraising that really interested you? Well, thanks, Emily and Erin. Uh, great conversation as always. Lots of real goodness there. And I just want to pick up on a couple of points, probably some of my favorites. One is one that Erin makes about this idea of, you know, let's stop being reactive. She didn't use these words, but let's not be reactive to what is required, but let's state how we would like it to be and have that as our goal, have that as something that we're working towards. Uh, rather than, oh, we need time ticketing, oh, we need, you know, fundraising, etc. The other thing that she said that I wanted to sort of point out is this idea that the world changed a lot in the last year. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. But I think it shows, you know, our ability and capability to be agile, to actually do things differently. And this conversation around access has always been there. But the conversation around access didn't necessarily just need to be because of the pandemic. Um, Now we're looking at digital as a way of of increasing access, as a way of resolving the digital divide, digital equity issues. But we didn't just need the pandemic to allow us to get there. Um, But it's highlighted what we're capable of. And to that end, I think... Um, you know, that's a good thing and something I've been saying for quite a while now, which is, you know, potentially a silver lining coming out of the pandemic. And then finally, you know, my favourite topic, back-end systems. We can't go forward pretending that we don't have back-end systems to deal with. They have hidden costs, they have hidden legacy. Um, They, in this particular case that Erin talks about, challenging us to actually see a visitor as a single person because it's a different person in in different systems. And I think that that's uh, potentially a way to think about systems. You know, I've often believed that you don't need to be a technologist to to understand what the possibilities are of technology and what the major concepts are to think about. But that is one, is how do you look at a visitor, customer, an audience as a single person with everything that they do with you in an organization through all the channels, physical, digital, etc., and the journey. How do we look at that and how do we ensure that we have the systems that can scale and allow us to to do that and ultimately that has better outcomes for the mission of our organizations. But thank you, Emily and Erin, uh, for another great conversation. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Erin. Thank you to all of our listeners. A new episode of the Microsoft Libraries and Museums podcast will be released every Monday, but you can also subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. Until next time, I'm Emily Kotecki. Thanks for listening.